Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Episodes 1 and 2 of Only Murders in the Building are both over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. That's right, it's the Only Murders podcast and Post Show Recaps, where we are breaking down the Hulu show's third season, episode by episode. And we got two of them to kick things off. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Waver. Today, we are talking about these first two episodes. The show must dot 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 that's season three episode one and of course episode two the beat goes on and i'm not alone here on the podcast the question that we are all asking right now who farted here he comes it's troy aka dj labelle klein look josh i'm just a friendly zoologist who morphs into a 20-foot cobra and helps the cops save the day you okay. have long been my co-bro, uh, and you are the co-bro of this podcast, Troy. We are... I am grinning from ear to ear. If I had fangs, they would be emerging from yes. my mouth right now. Yes. 
Yeah. And it's Cobro, not the Cobro. That would be douchey. No, oh, absolutely not. I mean, the before something like you drop that in 2006 2007 when you when you buy facebook.com you yeah know? yeah uh that would be cool uh, alongside a billion dollars but we don't have a billion dollars what we do have are not a billion episodes of two. Emerge in the building I'll take, but I'll take two uh you give it two we got yeah. two episodes here of omit b to kick off season three we're gonna talk about them here we're gonna break them down in spoilerific detail make sure you've seen the first two episodes of only murders before proceeding or you don't care you want to hear it from me and troy yeah. rather than from the martins Stephen short and selena gomez who are superior storytellers uh to us but uh we're all right yeah, I mean, we are not a monthly subscription fee in order to listen to us, unless you want to. Unless oh, well, you want. certainly, if you would like to pay a monthly subscription fee to Post Show Recaps, uh, there are ways to do that. You can become a patron of Post Show Recaps by signing up at patreon.com slash postshowrecaps. You get uh, commercial-free access to certain episodes of the Post Show Recaps podcast, including the Only Murders Woo-hoo. podcast. You get access to the Post Show Recaps patron Discord, where you get to hang out with a lot of friends uh, here on the Post Show Recaps uh, patron network. We'll hear from some of them today on the podcast. Really exciting. And hopefully, we will hear from many more of you uh, as on August 10th, Troy. Uh, that is Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Mm. You and I are going to be getting together live for the patrons of Post Show Recaps for an Only Murders call-in show here for week one of Only Murders. We will answer listener feedback. We will throw out some of our own theories. I think this podcast, we said last time, we will still be uh, taking our time developing our really yes. bold predictions. Uh, it will be the feedback show where we will make our bold predictions for the remainder of season three you will listen to that podcast in your podcast feed here the only murders podcast feed on post show recaps just search post show recaps only murders you will find us subscribe rate and review greatly appreciated if you are able to do so this early in the season you will listen to the feedback show but if you want to be part of the feedback show got to be a patron at any level patreon.com Slash post only patrons recap. in the building only patrons. only patrons on the podcast only patrons on the feedback show troy uh we're gonna get into the specifics of we'll do episode one first then we'll talk through episode two but i'd like to take the aerial view Ooh, uh, and not the like aerial who bird. is not one of the our great co-hosts here on post show recaps but like a bird we will fly, fly over away. these first two episodes I'm like a bird. <laughs> we're gonna fly away here Troy, uh, as we are looking down here at the final death rattle of one Paul Rudd, a.k.a. Ben Glenroy, or I guess two death rattles. We don't know. You know How many more death rattles are there going to be uh, from this guy? Give me your initial takes. We have two episodes of Only Murders under our belt for the first time in a year-ish. This feels good. Yeah. This feels great. Uh, I think if you can describe an, uh, a series of scripted television as a roller coaster, the, the train has left the station. Uh-huh. We are ticking up the high lift and we're getting each little notch and each little bit here. And I don't think we have quite gone down that first nosedive of, of, a, of a hill, but like we're up at the top and I'm liking what I'm seeing. Yeah. I'm liking what we have to play with. Yeah, I'm really enjoying what we've got here. Uh, this show be streeping. Uh, the sh- 
you know, <laughs> Merrily, Merrily we roll along. Merrily we roll along. Merrily, which by building. the way was a great name for a podcast that my sister gave to me. Got to shout out my sister Amy. Nice. Uh, if we do the Meryl Streep watch along, we run out of content, and we got to do a Meryl Streep watch through. Merrily we roll along. Pretty once good. A, once again, it is uh, incumbent upon me to remark upon the fact that we are currently podcasting during the SAG AFTRA yes. and WGA strikes that are ongoing. Solidarity. With the guilds, this podcast is not possible without their efforts. Certainly, only murders in the building is not possible without the incredible acting feats of one Meryl Streep, oh. uh, who is such an incredible icon that she can make you believe that she's a shit actress. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just so great. Uh, like, cast the most like un unbiasedly legendary actress of our time as an undiscovered gem who might just be a rock. Uh, perfect, absolutely yeah. perfect. Inspired. Meryl, where I have think. you been? Where have you been? Where this have whole you time? been, Meryl? Is just a great, great note. Uh, some ridiculous th those frosted tips. There's so <laughs> many things to talk about with Paul Rudd, but those frosted tips uh, are frosted tickling my heart. Uh, oh, Troy, uh, as a survivor of the frosted tips era, uh, there oh. are receipts. There are receipts oh. of Josh Wiggler's frosted tips era. Uh, you know, solidarity not just with the guilds, but with the Frosted Tips uh, survivors uh, too. Uh, Paul Rudd is uh, apparently uh, not a Frosted Tips survivor anymore, uh, considering well, what happens to him. Speaking uh, of survivor, I I gotta say, like watching this these two episodes, but especially the very start of episode one, I was like, okay, the the my big question coming in is. What are they going to do with Meryl, right? Yeah. Is she a bit player? Is she a guest? Is it a cameo? We start with Meryl front and center. Yes. And for me, this is my like, Sari Fields is on Big Brother. Oh my gosh. Wait, what? Out. Oh yeah. Oh, no, did I, I know. Spoil okay. All, okay. Right. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm not that far under the rock, you know? Yeah. Uh, but like, this is my like colliding of worlds yeah. in a very exciting way. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, I could... You know, we're we're gonna talk about the episodes in more detail. We're gonna talk about the story and and at least par bake, early bake some of the hypotheticals of what could happen. But just straight out the gate, we got a lot of Merrill, we got a lot of Paul Rudd, and we got a lot of the three main actors that we're here to see. And a full cast of possible suspects. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of suspects immediately on the show, which is always a really fun time. Makes you wonder, like, okay, well, who am I not considering? That's yeah. probably the killer. Um, but there are so many different possible killers shown to us just in the first episode, just at that table read, frankly, uh, that it's going to be really fun to track the theories, to develop the theories out and I think you're right to your point um, about the big three. Uh, really, really strong stuff from, I would definitely say, a, you know, a really strong story for recently Emmy-nominated uh, Martin Short uh, mm -hmm. as Oliver, who uh, we're potentially pairing Martin Short and Meryl Streep together oh. as a romantic pairing. This is really exciting, I feel like. I, I This could be really fun. This could be really it could be fun. heartbreaking. It could be very bad, you know, but like it could be very, very fun to see these two actors up against each other in this capacity. Um, I think that the storyline for Mabel, the fact that there is a ticking time bomb of Mabel's leaving the building for mm -hmm. weeks. Uh, Jack Bauer loves uh, a time limit and so do I. Uh, so we've got a four week shot clock 
uh, for the end of the season, Troy. We've uh, also got Mabel talking to ghosts again, which is fantastic. We love it. Ghosts in the building. This is great. Uh, is this an, uh, an on-ramp to get uh, the, the Tim Kono ghost back on the show here uh, in season three? Could she just be talking to a bunch of different ghosts? I mean, is this the their their uh, reaction to ghosts? The TV show, right? I mean, is that the new, sure. the new hotness? Is just let's get more ghosts. In I hear here. ghosts is good. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I Do haven't you, watched. No, it. I hear people love ghosts. Oh, the show. well, then all, all the more reason. Bring bring more. You know all what? Right. Bring back Bunny from season two. Let's just do yeah. all the murder victims and murderers row, uh, murdered row. Yeah, uh, and have them do a musical number. I mean, we could be really arcing towards a lot of musical numbers here based on the <laughs> end of episode two. I think of the three, the one who probably has the thinnest plot for me so far would be Charles Aiden yep. Savage, I think. And even then, he's kind of positioned in this adversarial capacity against the murder victim. So, like, he still even has things to do. It maybe just isn't as, like, emotionally rich quite yet. So... All three of them have a lot to do. The guest stars are really, really fun. These special guest stars of Paul Rudd and Meryl Streep really living up to the billing, I feel like. Uh, and uh, gosh, great to see more Howard as well. Oh, you got to love it. And as an assistant, uh, as an assistant, what, to the director or an assistant director? I'm not quite sure what his title is. Yeah, well, he tried out and <laughs> instead he got cast as an assistant. So like if ever there were a time for Howard to break bad, uh, I think we found it. I think we found it quite quickly here. So, uh, yeah. oh, well, I, I'm glad that you're enjoying the first two episodes. Uh, any other high level thoughts as we think about the on ramp onto the season overall, when you think about the big bets and the big narrative choices well, that have been made, you, how are we feeling? You know what? One thing. So um, reviews just recently came out for season three. Um, and some of the reviews that I'd been seeing uh, my, my buddy Dan Feinberg at the Hollywood Reporter talked about how very there's a lot of melancholy and like great drama in this season of Only Murders and the character stuff is really rich, but the trade seems to be uh, at the expense of some of the laughs on mm. the show. Um, that the balance is maybe a little bit off. I laughed a lot uh, yeah. over the course of these two, so I'm uh, I am as yet unconcerned about that. I think that the balance has been really good actually so far, just through two episodes. I'm like even sort of like winking and nudging at the format of only murders that uh you know when we have charles and mabel are kidnapped and they're in the basement and they're like well at least we figured this out in episode two uh you know <laughs> there was a lot like it was really really fun um there was like a world there even where i was like will they just resolve the paul rudd murder here in the second episode and drop some other kind of anvil on our heads uh by the well end. they did in the first episode by just bringing him back to life yeah. so paul rudd know. was the anvil that got <laughs> dropped uh oh what if someone dropped an anvil on paul rudd while he was on the elevator uh have we seen any coyotes in the building no recently? coyotes in the building um okay. there is a dog named ben apparently but was that in the building no that is greg's dog she lives in another building Different and, building Different uh building. hopefully she'll be taken care of now that greg is in custody we'll we'll cover that when we get into i'm not quite later. ready to bet a slice of pizza on the thought that ben the dog is ben the man's killer <laughs> yeah, but no. i'm thinking about it yeah I'm yeah We'll think about it. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to give you any murder predictions, murderer predictions right now. Uh, we might save some of our bold bets for the patron feedback discussion show. Uh, but, you know, as we go through each of these episodes, I will sprinkle in a few ideas. A few yes. 
thoughts. Uh, I want just them. a little, little flavor of what could possibly be the case here. Okay, well, before we get that flavor, let's talk about what happened in episode one on the other side of a quick commercial break. Stay tuned. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, folks. We are back. Of course, if you're a patron of Post Show Recaps, we went nowhere. Uh, commercial free is the way to be. Consider it. Patreon.com slash Post Show Recaps. Troy, are you ready to hear about what happened in Season 3, Episode 1, The Show Must Dot, 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 hmm. I thought you were going to ask if I was a patron. Yes, I am, obviously, <laughs> but of course, yeah. So if you didn't get a chance to watch episode one, Josh, what did people miss? All right. Well, even if you did watch, you're going to hear this anyway. Here's the quick plot recap of the season three premiere of Only Murders in the Building, directed by John Hoffman, co-written by John Hoffman and Saz E. Goldberg. Another season, another murder. Oh, wait, he's alive. Oh, no, he's dead again. Sorry. Let's take this from the top. We pick up where season two left off. Oliver's leading man in his new play, Death Rattle, dies on stage on opening night. Four months earlier, the cast of Death Rattle is doing its first read through. We meet the producer, Donna, and her son, Clifford, with whom she is very close. Very close. Uh, too close. Way too close. Uh, we meet Loretta, a.k.a. Meryl Street. That's Meryl. She is an older actress finally getting her big break, playing the nanny, not Fran Drescher, Solidarity, in the play, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, it has a bit of a bumbling start. Uh, the leading man, Ben Glenroy, Paul Rudd, is the star, and he certainly acts like it, forcing his brother-slash-assistant, Dickie, who is Mr. Kettleman of Better Call Saul fame, uh, to discard delicious cookies so that he won't be tempted. Ben's documentary cameraman, Tobert. I'm going to have to remember that. Tobert. Tobert, like Robert with a T. Robert with a T. Uh, Jesse Williams playing this character. Uh, he is there to document Ben's first Broadway appearance. While everybody appears to be immediately charmed by Ben during the first read-through, it's obvious that by the time the cast takes the stage on opening night, their feelings have soured. 
Despite Ben's death, Oliver would like to proceed with the after party at his apartment for the cast. Oliver thinks he's cursed. Loretta makes a bit of an indecent proposal to Oliver now that the show seems to be over, and they no longer need to maintain a professional relationship. Charles is secretly, secretly relieved to not have to do the production eight times a week, but that gets ruined, Troy, because suddenly a very alive Ben bursts yes, into baby. the apartment. He's alive! He says he was dead for nearly an hour, which was apparently a record for the hospital, uh, and he saw the quote-unquote dead person light. Uh, but he's back now. Uh, he makes quick work of apologizing to almost everybody in the room for his various discretions, uh, indiscretions, uh, including but not limited to complaining about the size, shape, and style of his dressing room, accusing another person of stealing his mangoes, uh, and saying no to Bobo. Uh, before leaving, he calls Loretta a snake. He hisses at her. Uh, and it seems as though the show is going to go on until the trio of Mabel, Charles, and Oliver nearly get hit with Ben's dead body falling through the roof of the top of the newly fixed elevator. Fellow Tenant Uma says what we're all thinking. You gotta be fucking kidding me, as there is actually a murder in the building in season three, episode one. Troy, that's the episode in a nutshell. A very, very fun start to season three. Yeah, come on. We got the murder in the building. We we got the murder in the building. We got we the murder. They, the they did this thing the on, the, on the poster. Look, yeah. I you know, I don't know if that was the plan from the beginning or if they had buyer's remorse after writer's remorse after season two when they had the murder occur on the stage. But I got to say, I love it. I know it's going to become a bit of a problem after a while, but, you know, we got the murder in the building. Yeah. Uh, it, it pulls in this entire cast of the Arconia again. That's so much of what's great about this show. We spent a decent amount of time, maybe even an indecent amount of time, uh, last season at the end, Troy, being like, all right, well, let's start like bending over to justify the fact that we're going to do murders outside of the building. It's the building. That's the, yeah. the building. <laughs> the theater's a building. The theater. uh, you know, murders in maybe the theater. Maybe well, there's some sort of structure on stage that's a building. So, like, if there had been a chance to, like, break away from the premise, they had taken it. And so now here in the first episode of season three, they're just like, no, 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 no. It does have to Undo be. send. Yeah. Undo send. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, they like they had sent that, like, I guess in TV time, considering how quickly a season of Only Murders gets produced, Troy, that maybe that is the equivalent of, like, they were still within the 30-second window where they could hit unsend mm -hmm. on Gmail. Uh, so they unsent it. They unsent it. The murder's in the building. Season four, from now on, Troy, like, the murders do have to take place at the Arconia. I think so. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. No no question. But yeah. but I do kind of love the idea that maybe the writers did like give us an off season to speculate. That, that they knew we were coming back to the Arconia and they were like, yeah, but our fans, you know, the the the, the watchers don't need to know this. Right. Right? So we're going to give them the illusion that the murder's not going to be in the building. You're going to give the podcaster something to talk about. Yeah. I don't know that they can do it again, right? I don't, I don't know. You know, fool me once, uh, shame on you. Fool me twice, can't get fooled again. Can't get fooled again. Can't get fooled again. But uh, we, we, we've, we've pulled off the undo send. We pulled off the switcheroo. I did not expect, I did not expect the undo send. He's still alive. Yeah, I know. So that was very fun. Uh, it was. It was very, it was very fun that suddenly um, Ben comes back in with... <laughs> His signature is his, uh, like his equivalent of, did I do that? You know, he shows it with, 
Okay, who farted? Who farted? <laughs> who farted? <laughs> really? That's your catchphrase? Oh, oh anyone? God. Look, I, I, I trust your friend at the Hollywood Reporter, but uh, anyone who doesn't find the humor in that, I'm, I'm like, come on. Hit, hit me up. Find very, me. very, very funny. Uh, a very, very funny thing for Paul. I mean, Paul Rudd is kind of being like, uh, like to the max, weaselly, douchey Paul Rudd. Yep. Uh, you know, he's just like kicking that into overdrive. And it will talk I wouldn't about be po- surprised if Weasel Lee was a character he played uh, in yeah. the show called To the Max. I can imagine Weasel Lee played by Ben Glenroy in Max's To the Max, yes. uh, a sequel to the original streaming service documentary Max. Uh, it's about the second one that they make after all of this is done. Uh, he's he's incredible. Uh, like. Uh, there's, there's like a, a, some, a somehow even less likable version of Paul Rudd than like Andy and wet hot, you know, like he's mm-hmm. kind of like playing that kind of like dumb as a rock, uh, you know, version of himself, but also has fallen upwards into this great career. If you want to call it that. Unlike uh, Ben Glenroy, who's fallen downwards in elevator. Shot. He's fallen. Well, he did both. He fell upwards. Now he's fallen downwards. Uh, Teresa goes up the stairs. Teresa goes down the stairs. Uh, and Ben Glenroy goes up the elevator, goes down the <laughs> elevator shaft. Uh, they do such a great job. I feel like uh, making him so unlikable in a way that works so well because Paul Rudd himself just appears to be among our most likable, actual, mm-hmm. like actually likable celebrity treasures. Should it start to come out that Paul Rudd sucks? We'll just leave. You yep. know, I don't know where we're going, but we'll go another planet, another planet. We'll find so. We'll find life elsewhere. Uh, yeah, we'll... We reconnected uh, communication with Voyager recently. Like mm-hmm. it'll tell us where to go. It's we fun. now know that the aliens are here. We'll just hitch a ride back to their home planet with Poochie. not a problem yeah, i'm not concerned it. about we that but but this is a vehicle for paul rudd i mean the, it's hamming it up in the most beloved delightful way part of what only murders as a show gets away with is the playfulness and the theatricality of it it it, it kind of feeds I, not just because it's a murder mystery but i think also because of the variety and quality of casting we are able to get a bit of that knives out agatha christie feel to yeah. it where these characters can be over the top these performances can can be a little ridiculous yeah. and that creates so much gristle to to chew on and, and talk through so i want to go through some of the headlines from this episode before we get into the second one um this season really and if you have meryl streep on your show it does behoove you to like really lean in mm-hmm. and make Meryl work because uh, she'll work and she mm-hmm. will she will deliver. Uh, and the whole first movement of this season, Troy, is our introduction to Loretta, uh, who we have no idea who this actress is within the world of Only Murders. And it seems that nobody does because she mm-hmm. is this undiscovered gem who's been kind of fighting tooth and nail for her career all her life. And she just so happens to cross paths with a resurgent Oliver Putnam on the eve of casting his new show, Death Rattle. Uh, And Loretta comes in, knocks the audition out of the park, and Oliver Putnam says to Loretta, where have you been? He says this to Meryl Streep. Uh, This is our introduction to Meryl Streep on Only Murders in the Building. What were your initial thoughts as the Meryl Streep expert on the Only Murders in the Building? I could not contain myself, not only because it's fulfilling the promise of the trailer and of the off-season hype that we're getting Meryl and we're getting a lot of Meryl. 
but also it starts out with Meryl Streep acting well, right? We get to see later on in the episode and, and potentially later on in the season where, uh, you know, Loretta, maybe not the best actor out there. But starting out, you don't like a, her Scottish nanny? Not, not so much. The French Canadian did much more for me. Yeah, sure. Uh, but having it start with literally Meryl Streep come front and center stage, spotlight on her, and deliver a dramatic monologue as an audition. Yes, please. Yeah. Yes, and more. And I, I went back and rewatched that. I, I think that that is the just the founding thesis of this character of the show of the season i mean the idea of what i kill to protect a child in my charge there's so much that's just built into that monologue that just got me hyped beyond belief so i'm thrilled to have her here i'm interested in loretta as a character certainly with the additional layering of oliver and a possible relationship there uh but yeah what who could ask for anything more yeah, it's do like you, Christmas morning. Do you like this pairing? Uh, do you like this pairing of Oliver and Loretta? It seems like there were some boundaries in place. Uh, mm-hmm. Look at Oliver. Uh, Be professional. Uh, this is unlike him, I feel like. Uh, this feel like Oliver, I feel like, is a guy who struggles with boundaries. We certainly know that he loves his dips. So I would have thought that he would have dipped into the workplace. Uh, no, potentially. no, yeah, uh, no, he's not. Just, he's a professional. On not in 2023, right? No. You got to draw a line here. Uh, yeah. And he draws a professional line. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, here's what I will say I am very excited for Martin Short and Meryl Streep to act against one another, given both of their capabilities and the range. And, and, you know, again, Martin Short nominated for an Emmy again this past season for absolutely understandable reasons. We know comedic actors have deep, deep traumatic uh, depth to them. And this season in particular, I think we're going to see, we have seen so far, uh, a lot of depth around Oliver's character. So the potential of having the two of them work together in scenes, I'm very excited by. That said, do I think that like having Oliver get into a romantic relationship is really what I want to spend my screen time on? Narratively, not so much. So I think you're still going to have to convince me that, uh, you know, that's going to be interesting. That's right. going to be worth the limited time that we have together this season compared to all the other things we could be doing. You know, um, I am sure that we have talked about in the past, but you'd have to really like go back to the start of this podcast feed. I think um, Martin Short's dramatic chops. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a famed comedian, Martin Short. That's Jiminy Glick we're talking about yes. here. That's Clifford. Uh, My four Cl- children, Matthew and Modine. There's a, there's a Clifford. There's a Clifford on this show who isn't Martin Short, which is going to be confusing for me. Um, he's he's hilarious. This like you know maybe his brand of comedy is not everybody's brand of comedy. I think we've talked about it a little bit as well. But for me, I think Martin Short, one of our great comic gems. I think it is underrated that he is also a really, really terrific dramatic actor. Uh, you don't really have to look much further than Damages, the season of Damages that he's on. He is exquisite. Really, really great on that show. I don't know about narratively interesting um, necessarily, Troy, but I do think what could be really compelling on that meta front uh, and then can yield some really good results on screen is like Martin Short, not just like 
romantic comedy leading man, but romantic comedy leading man opposite like the greatest actress of our time. Yeah. Um, that's exciting. That is yeah. exciting. I think that's what I'm saying. Like I, I, I think I, like if... the low hanging fruit is it's Steve Martin and Meryl Streep because because uh, they they've done that before. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget which movie it is, but it's the one uh, with uh, with Alec Baldwin. Uh, and there's baking involved, and Melissa loves this movie, and I'm blanking on the name. So like, complicated, Josh. It's, it's complicated. complicated. So they did that, you know. Like the low hanging fruit is the reunion of that, uh, and instead it's Martin Short and Meryl. And like I wouldn't have thought that. That just like wouldn't have occurred to me that that was going to be the direction they would take this. No, uh, same. But I also don't fault anyone for smoking while you got them here, yeah. right? Like you got Meryl, you got Martin Short there. Like let's throw them together and see if we can some see if we can make some pancakes. Yeah. So is he um, going to be devastated when he finds out she's the killer or do you think that he'll catch on to it early? Well, let's let's just jump right here. Yeah, right? let's rip off the band. Let's just let's like rip it. off the bandaid. Yeah. OK, you cast Meryl Streep, you cast a big name. We have been through this before in season one. We got Sting season two. We got Amy Schumer. We got some other actors who got thrown in here. You know, do you make is, is Meryl Streep the odds on favorite to be the killer at the start of the season? Yeah, right. I think, I think, I think like the, the, walking the, off the street, if you've never watched oh walking my, off the street, walking off the street. when you, but when you go make a street dive, uh, no, I don't, know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But so you would say start of the season, she'd be the odds on favor. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that there's like, there's historical precedent on this show that works both in favor of the argument that it's Meryl Streep and against, um, is it repetitive to have one of the Martin's love interest be the killer mm, or yeah. does it rhyme like star Wars? Uh, you know, are we rhyming here? Is the boat has the poem reached the next phase, Troy? Um, mm. I think the fact that the season begins with her for me feels like, okay, she's a prime suspect to be the killer or like, is she going to be killed? Uh, or or what? I think that often I look at the start of a season of TV and try to figure out, okay, well, I think that we will probably end roughly where we began. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I feel like we will find, uh, speaking of rhyming, like some way to echo the start of the season. So I think the season ending with some kind of Meryl content is going to make sense to me. That might not be so great in her favor as far as um, her surviving season three. Mm. Um, so I feel like for me, my feeling is like Meryl's the killer or Meryl will be killed by the end of season three is kind of my concern. Okay, there you go. So you've got the theory of the binary Meryl, right? We yeah. have the divergent Meryl theory. There are you... two paths. Uh, there are That's two right. Meryls. There's no Inside all little... of us, there are two Meryl streets. <laughs> one is a killer and one is killed. In one hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why, yeah. oh, why did I take the blue Meryl? <laughs> Red Meryl. Oh, God. That, that I don't. Oh, uh, Josh, you got you got me flummoxed here. I think. Gosh, do I agree with this? I think we early set thoughts, up early thoughts. I, early, yeah, yeah, be held early, accountable. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Early thoughts. I, I'm not going to. Oh, this this should have been said at the top of the episode. Let's just say this for anyone who might be listening to us for the <laughs> for the first time. OK, this is not a big brain podcast. We are not here to big brain this. We are here to medium brain this yeah. show. Yeah. Okay. Big brain theories take a lot of time and a lot of logic. No, this we is want a about... medium brain. Like we want some spice. 
Yes. But we don't want to like sweat our faces off. That's right. We don't want to ruin the rest of the season yeah. because we've connected together every single last detail here. Right. So I will say this, just thinking from a narrative structure, uh, you obviously want to set her up to be some type of an antagonistic force toward Ben. We have that. We have all of the pointers to make her a prime or the prime suspect which means you get at least one episode where we get to investigate her as the prime suspect. Correct. That's and all like, I want. Obviously like her relationship with Martin short gets uh, severely damaged as a result. Deeply. Yes. Yeah. And like that to me, that's enough. That's fine. You want to kill her at the end of the season. Also fine. Sorry, Loretta. But uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think now that we see it, like, I just don't think you make Meryl the killer. I don't think so. I don't think that's actually where we'll go. But, like, I think we have to entertain the idea that Meryl Streep is the killer. Um, Okay, so that's a lot of Meryl Streep talk. There's a lot of other people that we get to meet during the the read-through. First of all, uh, the read-through sequence, very funny. Um, you know, whether it's, uh, whether it's Oliver telling, uh, Charles Hayden Savage to not be like super dramatic coming into the table reading, then he just like peacocks his way no through the door. No peacocking. No peacocking. And he just proceeds to peacock. Um, or when Charles makes his big speech that is just like besmirching the honor of everybody in the room. He's like, did I land the plane? Well, it's actually just all scattered there on the tarmac. Uh, just like some very good stuff. And this is even before we get Ben in the room, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's his initial, okay, who farted? And that's his first way into the room. Uh, or it's the cookies. He just had a corner. Uh, he just had a little corner, just a little bite. Or even Meryl uh, bumbling her way through the, the table read. Uh, there's a lot of great hijinks in the four months ago read through that I think we could spend a lot of time appreciating. But I think that there are two things that I want to really uh, spend some time remarking upon, one of which is clearly we have a mechanism with which to play with time on Mm -hmm. Only Murders this season. We've got flashbacks in place now. Episode two carries that forward. Um, In addition, we have a lot of people who maybe killed Ben uh, that yeah. we need to talk through. Here. So, but are you saying that time is now the prime suspect? Is time? So, well, time's coming for all of us. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, true. Time is an accomplice at the very least uh, yeah. in all murders. When you think about it, a deeply, co-conspirator. Time is a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's you know they say it's on your side. I'm not so. Sure. I don't. I'm not so sure. Not I'm convinced. Not, so sure. not convinced yeah. that time is on our side. Um, yeah, until it stabs you in the back. But do you like? Do you like that we're going to be doing these flashbacks? I think yeah. it's great. I like it. Great, love it. Honestly, I accept it so readily as a viewer. I really don't think about it too much. Right. I, I kind yeah. of immediately know where we are. Oh, we're rehearsing. Great. We're before the death. Like, oh, we're back in the building. Okay, we're after the death. Right. If we start to like blur those worlds too much then i could find it confusing and off-putting but so far it's been done very cleanly very Mm, simply uh i'm very happy with it yes me as well um so let's talk through some of the people yes here um we are reintroduced to to howard i feel like i want to start with howard uh is somebody who we are reintroduced to in an important way here at the table read as we have mentioned uh the great michael cyril creighton uh returning for his third season of only murders in the building is making that series regular money now bump up uh, here uh we appreciate that uh, getting paid what he deserves uh, here for season three uh, probably could be paid a whole lot more uh, as Howard Morris is a series regular. Now uh, we know uh, that he uh, 
He has some yodeling chops, uh, mm -hmm. Troy, as we learned last season, but his acting chops are not sufficient enough to get him on stage in any capacity other than as Oliver's assistant. Uh, so we have assistant to the regional manager, uh, Howard Morris, on the board. Uh, and I, I don't think that I'm taking it terribly seriously, the possibility of Howard as a killer, but I feel like, again, we got to mention it, and you've had thoughts about this in the past. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save my like kind of final Rancor theories for, for Rancor and Rancor uh -huh. theories for, for Thursday, most likely. Uh, but I will say, if you were to make Howard the killer, putting him in the theater uh, feels very convenient. Yes. Feels, feels very convenient. Very convenient. So we got Howard. We give him a whistle. We give him a reason to be mad at Ben uh, because guess what? Ben got the part. Ben Ben's the good actor. Yeah. Um, but he's not the understudy. Uh, he's not Ben's understudy. Who is Ben's understudy again? Jonathan. That's right. Ben. Jonathan. Under yes. Yes. Uh, so yeah. there's certainly that. We learned more about that kind of dynamic after Ben returned to life. Yeah. We didn't see that so much in the table read. What we did see in the table read was Kimber introducing yeah. the kind of young uh, young person Kimber. Uh, we saw, we saw a, a whole bunch of folks. We had the... Obviously, the brother Dickie we've talked about yeah. a little bit. We have the documentarian Tobert. Yes. Who says the great line. Yes. I'm just an observer. This is literally the last time you'll hear my voice. Okay. Uh, well, he does not like look like the observers. And I watched every episode of Fringe. Uh, so I don't think that he's just an observer. Uh, and I think that the guy says this is literally the last time you're going to hear my voice. And you cast Jesse Williams as that character. Jesse Williams, uh, a very, very accomplished actor in his own right. Uh, is uh, well-known from Grey's Anatomy, for instance. Um, uh, I believe, uh, was he not in, a, he was in a, a, a broad, an off-Broadway show recently? I don't know, he was in a play that was in the headlines, is what I'll say, uh, and I don't think we need to say too much more than that uh, as it pertains to Jesse Williams, but a really good actor who, like, you don't just cast him to have that one line and then you never hear from him again. Um, Tobert, Robert with a T. Yeah, very, very sus. V deeply deeply sus. sus. Deeply sus. You you put someone with immediate access to the victim in episode one, and you don't see or hear from them again for two episodes. Come on, come on, come on. What are we doing yeah. here? What yeah. are we doing here? Yeah. So I we'll see if Tobert comes back. Uh, I'm, I've got my eye on you, and not just my camera eye. Yeah. Also, I I mean, you got. We've now set up. You have a documentarian following someone who later goes on to get killed, maybe twice. Yeah. This is going to be interesting. His documentary is going to be great. Uh, you know, I think there. It's I needed be... an ending to my documentary. Yeah. What better ending? Well, we talked last season a lot about the meta qualities of only murders in the building. And I spent a lot of time thinking that it was going to be the podcast listeners that were the murder that the, the Arconiacs, uh, the Arconiacs to know them. that they were going to be like, this is how we started getting into scream spoiler territory, Troy, because <laughs> we were talking about, well, Ghostface Killer is actually killers, uh, that this is a, a a job too big for one serial killer that let's get a bunch of them in the building. Um, and so also that like there is an argument of like the idea of a second season is kind of an interrogation in season two of Only Murders in the Building. So that was a big part of the theorizing there. Instead, 
it ends up being another podcaster. And it's like, we got to kill to create content. So it's not terribly far off the mark of like the desperation to create a second season, the desperation to create more story. How does the documentarian potentially like fit in? Like, is that a yes and? Are we yes anding that idea if we have it be the documentarian, Troy? I, I think we we are. I think we're building on the potential. Like we we haven't seen much yet, so we don't know what the what what the team is doing with this yet. But I I think there's a lot on the table that you could do narratively, structurally. You obviously have the ability to look at past footage and see details. You have the ability to explore how and why Tobert followed him and who is this person, right? And and why are they around? I think the biggest exculpatory evidence here the biggest uh evidence that could take tobert off of the suspect list is a meta-analysis here which is last season's murderer right so spoiler alert uh, you're deep into the podcast yep. but it turned out last season's murderer was someone trying to make a podcast right and so to have this season's murderer also be someone trying to make content eh, eh. right you, right. You've got to give me a different spin on that that we haven't seen yet for that to feel fulfilling. Well, something that could be very relevant and very modern, potentially, Troy, is could the producers be killing an actor here? Could the producers, Great question. Could the producers be responsible for ending um, for, for a production shutdown here, Troy, potentially, as we are looking at the producers, Donna and Clifford DeMeo, uh, it should be noted the DeMeo crime family, I believe, is who Tony Soprano worked. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if there's any relation here. Um, but Donna and Clifford, played by Linda Emmond and Wesley Taylor. Linda Emmond recently uh, rather terrific in The Patient uh, on FX. Um, a really very, um, let's call it inappropriate relationship uh -huh, uh -huh. between mother and son uh where they have like a weird makeout session it's okay because he's gay she says there's no world in which any of this is okay yeah no look josh uh, we were talking before we recorded i think we made a reference to the great cinematic masterpiece that is tommy boy yeah and uh, to spoil a movie, because that's what we're doing on this podcast. Yes. Uh, I'm getting big Rob Lowe, son, not oh, really Derek, my son yeah. vibes. Yeah. 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 So, like, feels very convenient that he's your son. Yeah. Uh, but may maybe not. Maybe not so much. I saw him kissing his mommy. Okay. <laughs> With his tongue. Ew. You know, like, <laughs> it's that. Yeah. Uh, you know, stop the play. Stop tommy boy you know yes. we, don't, we don't know like there could be some chicanery happening there uh so got my eye on the two of them uh we kind of like blitzed past dicky uh dicky who is ben's manager and brother uh a, a nepo brother here i guess uh better than a nepo dicky uh but he is ben's manager and sibling played by the great Jeremy Sheamus, uh, who plays Mr. Kettleman in Better Call Saul, uh, a terrific season one Better Call Saul character. Uh, just uh, I know one of Christian Hubicki's favorite side characters on Better Call Saul. So immediately seeing him here, I was very delighted. But this is a guy who has direct control and supervision over Ben's food intake, uh, 
his diet, his strict diet uh, oh. that he has to manage for his like Marvel Cinematic Universe contract or whatever the equivalent is, which the irony is not lost to me. This is Ant-Man here. Uh, mm-hmm. That we have this whole this whole thing uh, that he's poisoned to death uh, for for an hour only. Like, where is Dickie's level of culpability in that? I think the point being, Troy, that like the first episode of the season does a lot of really great work establishing a bunch of different possible uh, could murders. be anyone, could be anyone. There's a lot of really good reason to think that it could be any of them. Yeah, I, I'll I'll add one last thing in here and and. Uh, save the the deep tinfoil hat for a little bit later but when i first saw paul rudd well let me say this when the brother first arrived my immediate reaction was like "Ooh, do they look similar enough that there could be some like switcheroony thing going on here Ooh, a prestige it's exactly what i was thinking josh and then when he returned i was like the prestige and then i thought well is this twin twist do we have a twin secretly floating yeah, around? Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm in Big Brother mode. New season started last week. But um, yeah, these are like some of the ideas and the crackpot theories that are circulating in my brain after episode one. For sure. Um, last thing I want to say about episode one before we move on to episode two is just give give us like a, like a, a two minutes, tight two, Troy, on how great it is that... Ben's not actually dead, only for him to be dead five minutes later. This is wonderful <laughs> stuff. It's just so good. I like. Let's talk about why you do that, right? That let's start there. The why. Number one, we get the murder in the building, right? Undo send murder in the building. Number two, we get this incredible moment, this incredible scene of Paul Rudd just going around the entire room and and just. I feel like he is just pulling Kleenexes of narrative and motive, handkerchiefs even, of narrative and motive out of the box yeah. to just throw it all on the table. I'm shocked he didn't turn back and look at the camera and just be like, now figure it out. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. We undo all this, and then literally three seconds later, he's dead again. Yeah. I um, He's like Thanos courting death uh here you know like he's like he's going around the room just like glad handing every single last one of them like daring them to murder him uh Mm -hmm. to like finish the job uh it's so so funny and then i think like the the timing of well uh at least the murder wasn't in the building this time only for the blood to be dripping down from the top of the elevator and of course the murder is indeed in the building uh, and giving that final line, that incredible, absolutely, unbelievably ridiculous final line to Uma of, uh, you've got to be fucking kidding me, is <laughs> perfect. It's perfect. It's a, real, it's a really great ending. I do think uh, for you and I right now, unless they could pull off something really amazing, feels like it does close the door and like you can't really kill anyone outside of the Arconia anymore. No, um, no. But, but, but what we worth did. It, worth it. What we did Future do, problem. I won't say if what this spoils, uh, but there has certainly been murder mysteries wherein the answer to the puzzle is multiple people did it yeah. at multiple times. Right. And so we now have two theoretical deaths that could be perpetrated by two different killers right. who are not necessarily working with one another. Right. Uh, could be like it was a race to kill Ben Glenroy. Uh, and someone thought they won it, they were wrong, and uh, silver medalist suddenly gets the gold, Troy. 
I I will I will add, add at the end of episode one here. Uh, we might get into this more in episode two. But Josh, I just want to plant see it in your head as you as you wrap up that episode. Any chance an infant did it? Any any <laughs> chance it was a baby? Um, you know. Uh, let me yes and that. Any chance it was a baby bird? Ooh, where's Mama G? Where's Mrs. Gambolini? Where's in all Mrs. This? Gambolini? And where was in the building? Does Mrs. Gambolini bird, have a bird, child? Back on the table, baby. Abelini, uh, is that someone out there that we could possibly look at? So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, we should probably. This is something maybe to do for the feedback show, Troy. Is let's take a closer look at Death Rattle and what Death Rattle is all about, and yeah. see if we can't shop that thing up for parts and clues moving I love into that. the future. Let's talk about episode two of Only Murders in the Building, season three, here on the podcast. Only Murders coverage on the podcast. The Beat Goes On, directed by John Hoffman. It is written by Ben Smith and Joshua Allen Griffith. Troy, are you ready for a quick plot recap? Very much so. Let's do it. The beat goes on in episode two as Mabel and Charles are interested in finding the killer while Oliver struggles to keep death rattle alive after his leading man's untimely death. Having a childhood fondness for Ben, Mabel dives headfirst into investigating his death, taking photos at the crime scene and even having ghost chats with his 31-year-old frosted tips likeness. Charles receives an opening night uh, gift from Ben at the pocket square with a baby rattle pattern. That's going to be important later, so let's tuck that away. The trio head off to Ben's funeral, but get stuck in overflow room three with the rest of the nobodies. Oliver leaves, determined to speak to producers Donna and Cliff, while Mabel speaks with security guy, quote-unquote, uh, Greg, who offers to show her his files on all of Ben's stalkers. Mabel and Charles will head to Greg's apartment, where they quickly realize that's not a dude on Ben's security team, but a stalker himself. He chloroforms them both and locks them in his basement, believing Charles to be the killer, given the contentious relationship between Charles and Ben. Speaking of which, in a flashback to the first few weeks of the rehearsal, we learn that a lot of Ben's insecurity around acting stems from a bad experience he had on Brazos when Charles got eight-year-old Ben fired after being phony. At the, at the first table read. Uh, what was it? Like Kid Genius or something big, like that? Big fat phony. A big fat phony. Uh, uh, he was a boy genius, boy genius Timothy Boy Genius Timothy Bush. Boy Genius Timothy Bush got fired by Charles Hayden Savage. Uh, and so Ben is determined to make things hell uh, here on the production as payback. Um, luckily for Charles and Mabel, the cops were already on to Greg because he fled the How scene at the fortunate. time. Quickly after Ben's death, Mabel, however, is not so certain as Ben's rattle handkerchief that Greg snatched from Ben's dead body wasn't the only rattle handkerchief present. Ben was clutching the same patterned handkerchief as he fell to his death, meaning that whoever killed him was a part of the death rattle cast. Meanwhile, Oliver begs theater critic Maxine to tell the producers how good his play was, but she regretfully informs him that it was bland and Ben sucked. Uh, and in fact, that Ben is presently doing the best acting that he has done for the entire Death Rattle project. Uh, Oliver suffers a minor heart attack and listens to Maxine's advice 
as well as the advice of his now deceased narrator and listens to his heartbeat. Um, one music dream sequence later, starring a incredible Selena Gomez, uh, he decides that to sal salvage Death Rattle, he's going to have to make it into a musical. Um, and that, my friends, is show business as well as episode two of season three. Uh, a really fun follow-up, I think, to the premiere here, Troy. Yeah, and look, uh, we had a lot go on. We explored a lot more with uh, the characters, obviously the death of Ben, exploring the the impact and the rollout of that. But like, top story, uh, Mabel and Charles got kidnapped and chloroformed and chained up <laughs> in someone's basement. Uh -huh. Like, how's your PTSD doing? Um, not great. Not great, Bob. Uh, <laughs> not great for any of them, I think. Yeah, the double chloroform. Uh, and, and then, like, the uh, like the attempt of, like, doing it again uh, in the basement. He just, like, keeps, like, stuff. It seems like he's just, like, keeps stuffing the same rag uh, yeah. at Mabel. And it's not really doing anything. Yeah, really close with that torch to, to his face. That's kind of yeah. creepy. Um, again, Steve Martin, so funny. Uh, just, like, blowing on the blood torch trying to like get the fire to go out yeah i mean what are you gonna do in that moment like your options are fairly limited troy use what you got yeah i i look i'm not a survival expert when it comes to torture scenarios what can i say i have that my i don't believe back. i have to tell you i disbelieve oh, okay well let me pull forward the books that i've been yeah. reading that uh, i don't believe that i don't believe uh so let's let's break this one let's break this one down as well uh i think um First of all, the funeral. Uh, I cannot believe that in a season of Only Murders in the Building that is giving us both Paul Rudd and Meryl Streep that they would deny us an on-screen appearance from Harry Styles, uh, first and foremost. I can't believe that they stuck us in Overflow Room 3. This this actually, I got to say, from a just a like production standpoint, this made me so happy. Yeah. The, the idea of like, no, we're not going to rent out a whole cathedral and fill it with like A-list actors. We're going to put them in Overflow 3 and show it on a little teeny tiny screen. Yeah. Uh, that's so fun. Yeah. Mabel didn't deserve that, certainly. Like maybe Charles <laughs> Hayden did, but Mabel is like an OG girl cop fan. Uh, we do find out more in this episode that Mabel has like genuine affection for yeah. Ben. Um, that in the year uh, after her father had died, like one of the things that got her through was watching this TV show, Girl Cop, where... So is this the... Am I getting the premise right? The premise is that Paul Rudd is, like, an undercover cop who has, like, a high school girl as, his, as like, the Robin to his Batman? Or is she the Batman and he's the Robin? This is a great question. I've not yet dug into the lore because I didn't track on this either. And I re-watched it, and I still didn't get it. Yeah. So is he the, he's not the girl is, you know what? It, I got to imagine. Yeah. It's girl cop. She's the girl. He's the cop. Right. And like they, is it, is so it's like girl slash cop. This is like, sort of like, uh, like it's like the, the combo platter. Well, no, it's not like Cobra where he's both the Cobra and the bro. Right. I think this is like, uh, you know, half one, half the other. Got it. And, and that like, he's undercover as a cop is my guess. Right. Uh, we're going to have to unpack that. This is really the most important thing to solve in the series is the various the the various roles that, uh, that, that some, Ben Glenroy has played. I had some thoughts, too, about um, about Ben as a ghost, like expressing himself with mm. detail yeah. to Mabel. 
where it's like, okay, so then two things are happening here. Uh, I guess three things. One, this is just a full-on invention, and this is Mabel's pure speculation about Ben's life. Mm -hmm. Two, Mabel was such a Ben uh, Glenroy fan that she like knows a lot of these copious details about Ben and they're like uh, subconsciously coming to the surface to relate and connect with her life as it's going right now. She's going through a lot right now. She feels kind of left behind by Charles and by Oliver. She's like almost actively rooting for a murder to happen so they can bring the podcast back together. And they are going to be bringing the podcast back together during all of this. Uh, and so like she's like summoning some of like her early fandom maybe like maybe that's part of what's going on. then the third one is like there's legit ghosts in the universe of only murders in the building <laughs> and this is like an actual ghost ben glenroy uh talking to her and like his un- unfortunately like ghost clothes rules don't seem to apply mm. to the world of only murders in the building he's not always got to keep aware he- of ghost clothes He's not wearing what he died in. He's like his ghost clothes are frosted tips forever, at least. Uh, which which I way. think, look, I think that points to theory number one, right? Which is that this is this is a support structure for Mabel in a time where she's very lonely and very yeah. distressed, and that she has a deep personal connection uh, to to this uh, to the, to the murdery here, uh, much like she murdery. did in season one with uh, Tim Kono. Yeah, but do do I want to completely poo poo on the idea that you know we have canonical ghosts in uh, Only Murders uh, World? No, no. So it's not fully been disproven yet. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure. Uh, but there's ghosts here. We've got ghosts I, in the building. I like it. I think it's fun. I think it helps us with Mabel. I think it helps us with uh, Ben. Um, also, just like throw frosted tips. Uh, Paul Rudd on the screen. We need more frosted tips, Paul Rudd. A little, um, like little high five, little, little secret handshake. You know what? Yeah. You know what? I, you know what I really liked about this episode was like the humanizing of Ben Glenroy. So he's not just going to be a joke. Like no. he will largely be a joke. Uh, yes. You know, he will largely be a joke, and he's dead. Uh, and like to some degree, like uh, and there's no know, funnier way to be a joke than to be dead. Th- than to be like pushed into the elevator shaft for your second death of uh, the evening. That's right. uh, for death number two of the evening. One death left the is hospital. not funny. Dying once is not funny. Dying twice. Second death is a little funny. Hilarious. Yeah, a little funny. Uh, so, but he's not just a joke. He has like the whole like, uh, like, you know, he's very self-conscious and Oliver is able to get the great performance out of him there in the room. But because Ben is trying to like tank this thing, this is at least how I read it. You tell me if I'm reading it the same way as you, uh, that like his rage against Charles Aiden, he's just so determined to bomb this thing. Like he has oh, like this, he has like this breakthrough performative moment with Oliver uh, that like is you know reliant on a lot of his trauma as an actor. That's trauma, not drama, uh, and pulls out this great dramatic performance. And then Charles Hayden comes in, and he's like, "Good job." And then uh, Ben just like kind of gives him the like, "You don't even remember me. I was on Brazos. I was Kid Genius. What's his name? Kid Genius Tom Tim- Timothy Timothy Tim- Timothy Bush. I think T- Kid Genius Timothy Boy, Bush. Boy Genius Boy, Boy Genius." genius. You know, um, yeah. so I like I, I that think, stuff. I like I liked uh, what they were doing with Ben in the flashbacks in this episode. Yeah, I like I like what we're doing here. I think um, I didn't maybe read it the same as you. I don't know yeah. that his poor performance was intentional per se. I got the sense that like authenticity as an actor for him was fleeting. Yeah, and that got basically okay, I think you're right. Yeah, we're we're trying to get the idea that. Oliver is a good director and yeah. competent. Ben, and like, ben that's is more pap- important than Ben is a good actor. 
Yes. I think so. Yeah. I think that's what we're trying to unfold here. And and we, you know, we saw Maxine the critic when we had the conversation later on, had had great things to say about Oliver's previous previous performances, maybe against her better judgment. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think what that does is it says Oliver is not a joke, right? Oliver is legit and he's actually capable. Because otherwise, we have so many things pointing to, oh, Oliver's just bad at his job. Yeah. Right. He hires this Mer- Meryl Streep. Why would yeah. you hire her? And right. then she turns out to be a total. Uh, what What was the word? What was the word from episode one? She's a. Uh, a a stinkeroonie. Yeah. Stinkeroonie. Yeah. Right. Uh, we got to give her the bootay. <laughs> the bootay. Uh-huh. Uh, and then and then obviously Ben Glenroy, who is not a stage actor by training and clearly puts in a pretty crap performance. Right. So. Right, right. Yeah, I think yeah. Like that this is more about like Oliver uh, than it is about Ben. And I think like even Oliver's, uh, you know, his quest in this episode is like to find a way to reboot this thing and get this thing back online. Uh, and when he hears from this critic who he trusts that like, sorry, man, I was going to pan it like uh, and I was like going to pan it prolifically uh, with like some of my best prose ever. Her best vitriolic writing, uh, she tells him. Uh, and like, you know, big, like live your truth energy that she leaves him with. Uh, and it's so heartbreaking as to quite literally break his heart. Um, and so we're going to leave the episode with uh, a really distressed Oliver who's like, I had these fleeting moments of greatness. Here was another chance at success. And now we're moving on and it's not going to happen the same way that I wanted it to. Uh, and he ends up having this fever dream vision uh of uh of mabel his son charles hayden uh doing like uh like a bob fossey-esque number uh of like i forget the exact thing that they're telling him but basically like make me a musical uh yeah this is a a prelude to maybe greater things i mean if we're gonna make it a musical that means we might get more musical numbers yes which i am so very here for more here for than selena gomez oh my god Gosh, I'm like, I, uh, you know, I guessed, I guessed, uh, podcasted on the Schmigadoon podcast right. here on Pleasure Recaps. We're a big fan of a TV show with a musical number. Yeah. So I think uh, I'm excited about that. Here's my question to you, Josh. In this whole series, the the tumbling down of Oliver Putnam, which is a worse fate for Oliver? The idea that his return to Broadway, this show that has the money, has the actor, maybe doesn't have the performances, but is going to get him back onto Broadway, baby. The fact that that might be closing prematurely or the fact that the doctor tells him he has to cut out dips. That's going to be hard. I don't think he's going to be able to do it. It's going to be pretty rough. I don't think he's going to be able to cut out the dips. It's his diet. It's all he eats. It's all he eats. You got to change your diet. You got to change your stress level. It's like, what do you expect the man like, to is do? Is he just going to eat people like, left and right on him? And what was he? Do we like what would it, what would he dip? What would he use as dippers? I mean, ooh, chips, this? like carrots and crudites, oh, crudites, crudites. Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, I just know you know the dips from Teddy are uh, really really important to uh, to Oliver. Yeah, it's almost uh, an important part of his character at this point. Yeah, so. I don't know. It's it's sad. I, I think we got a lot of uh, pathos here in a great way. 
we also have this very interesting mechanical device now attached to sure Oliver's chest. What do you that think just about seems, that? That just seems like uh, you know, like uh, this is first there. This is just health. It's now for the plot. Yeah, you know? it's totally detailed. Cannot imagine that thing playing a role. Yeah, they could have just given them, you know, blood thinners or something. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Don't take advice from me. I will always take my advice from aspirin. Um, Well, I think that this is a good segue into some feedback that we have here for these first two episodes. A tease and a moose-bouche of what the feedback might be like when we have our feedback patron podcast coming up. It will hit the Only Murders podcast feed if you are not a patron. But if you want to join us live on August 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern, to get into the Only Murders uh, patron podcast feedback show, you got to sign up patreon.com slash post show recaps. But as a tease, we do have a couple of early feedback questions from the patrons of post show recaps. And Ooh. we'll have uh, your friend and mine, the great Ralphie Troy, uh, one of our favorite patrons. Uh, well, you're all my favorite patrons, but Ralphie, we yeah. really love Ralphie's him. a good one. Ralphie's a good one. Uh, Ralphie had written in. Uh, Ralphie said, given Oliver's heart attack in episode two, is there a possibility that season three will end with his death? Um, Troy, I wanted to at least use this, uh, if not to talk that possibility through. Of, Do you want to give some early takes on what you're thinking might be going down with that heart monitor? Or do you want to save that for the next pod? Okay, well, I I feel like this is classic Ralphie here to be like, take one little detail and then just like propel it into they're going to die. Right. Because I feel like we saw that in in season two with Ralphie's takes as well. Yeah. Uh, Which is which is fine. This is part of the fun. Right. You you speculate, you theorize, you you throw a few things in the oven and see what comes out. Um, Do I see Oliver? Do I see Oliver dying at the end of season three? I I do not. Uh, I'm very down to speculate about who could die at right. the end of season three. But I, I have to start with like my own table stakes here are the big three don't die. Right. That's the show. The show yeah. is the big three. The show dies first. I think so. So, and we've already had the comeback to, you've already pulled that card out. You've already played the comes back to, to life card. So we can't kill Oliver at the end of season three and, and bring him back season four. Or does that rhyme if he dies at the end of season three and comes back to life at the end of season three? Ooh, oh, within the season. Yes. <gasps> His heart stops. Yeah. But then we got the, the signals. Right. He's in the death rattle. Yeah. Oh. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. I'm I'm following it. Cool. Um that feels good, right? That feels good. That feels I mean, good. it feels bad. For, oh, for terrible. Oliver. I mean, uh, God rest it. May his that memory like, be a blessing. I mean, but... I kind of feel like boom, we got him on that one. Moving on. Yeah. Thanks, Ralphie. Next question. Our monitor, we got him. Thanks, Ralphie. Good. Uh Classic I hear... Ralphie always spoiling the end. Let me throw out like uh, you know, we're gonna explore the edges of theory here on this podcast. Let me throw out some uh, wild ones for who's going to die at the end of season three. Okay. Yep. Number one, no one. Okay. No one dies. Yeah. We don't get a teaser. Everything's fine. We wrap up season three, nice and beautiful butterfly cupcakes. What do you think? Yeah. Not as fun, right? Not as fun. Yeah. Number Not two, impossible. we talked about this. Meryl Streep dies. Right. Kind of fun. Kind of fun. 
You're not going to bring her back for season four, right? You're not going to make her a series regular. No, but one of the things that you do tend to get from your murder victim is a recurring role. Mm. So you kill off Meryl Streep and you don't get any like more time spent with like the ghost Meryl. And like that feels like a real missed opportunity. So yeah, because we've out Meryl the Meryl and we can't ghost Meryl once we've Meryl. Correct. Okay, option four, I think. I don't know. I've run out of numbers and counting. Uh, the Paul Rudd theory, which is someone totally random that we've never seen before that we just pull in for the series finale. Yeah. They blow up the Arconia. <laughs> the Ghostbusters come. Yeah. And Vigo attacks the Arconia. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this does feed into the, the, the ghosts in the Arconia theory. The ghosts are, are blinding us to the truth which is Vigo the Carpathian shall return. <laughs> uh, it's early. Lots of time to speculate on where this thing could be. Okay. Going here. All right. Um, All right. Well, what sp- other questions? We yeah. Have? Speaking of ghosts, uh, William uh, shouts to William uh, writes in. William doesn't usually give us feedback. This is great. Um, William writes in and says, how do you feel about the return of the ghost chats that Mabel had in season one with Tim Kono? Is this just a way to get more Paul Rudd on the show in all of his frosted tips? Glory. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit. Uh, I like it. I'm down for it. If for no other reason than getting the Paul Rudd. Yeah. But I think we get the secondary reason of more Selena Gomez and more in-depth Selena, you know, more Mabel storyline. Yeah. We do not have the narrative tie-in to her character in the same way that we did in season two with her relationship uh be you know bringing in suspects and then in season one with her relationship to the deceased i think we're going to look back at the season and think it's a little hamstrung having to pull Ma- mabel into this story and so if this is a vehicle through which we can get more selena gomez and more mabel i'm down for it i'm down for it as well um one last bit of feedback you want to take this one troy sure all right it looks like we got some feedback from brandy yeah uh Thanks so much, Brandy. Uh, she asks, which one of Ben Glenroy's many prestigious projects would you, Josh Wiggler, famed podcaster, yeah. most want to watch and podcast about? Interesting. Which one would I most? So that's a very interesting question. Um, and Brandy's always very thoughtful, so I'm not surprised uh, that she asked such an interesting question. Um, Cobro feels like uh, a real traffic winner. Oh, right. Like, I feel like everyone's talking about Cobro. So number one draft pick. uh, We're going to have no choice but to podcast Cobro and the whole Cobro series when it comes out. Um, Girl Cop would be like a really fun throwback Mm -hmm. podcast. Who would Uh, your co-host with Girl Cop be? That feels like a Jess Sterling. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, I feel like Jess has a lot of big thoughts. Although Jess might also be really good for Labrador receiver. (laughs) I feel like would be really good. What is Chinook Rising? I want to know more about Chinook Rising. Uh, yeah. I also want to know more about like the Ants ripoff that he's in, in which he does the voice of Papa Ant. <laughs> How much input did Paul Rudd have uh, in uh, Ben Glenroy's uh, filmography is a question I have. Well, let me say Chinook Rising, I, I have to imagine chinook rising was the off-brand version of black hawk down 
that yeah. got rushed into theaters at yeah. the same time yeah. so that people would get confused as to which one was the legit high budget one. This is like the multiverse version of like Chris Pratt has somehow successfully parlayed his career into being like a very like military franchise action hero. Paul Rudd as Ben Glenroy like tried that path as well, but Chinook Rising it just didn't, didn't really take. take. No. It just didn't yeah. take. Yeah. yeah. I got to say, Josh, for myself, I, I know I know it's a basic pick, but like Cobro sounds like it'd be Cobro so sounds good. Fun I think we would have a lot of fun with that. Cobro. And and I will uh I'll give one last piece of evidence to support because you know we're we're all about logic here yes, on this podcast. My number one reason to podcast about Cobro is based exclusively on a comment made by my mom after watching this episode. She saw the end credits and the poster of Cobro. Uh, which if you haven't seen it, go yeah. go to the end credits, watch the poster, find the poster of Cobro. And she said, uh, it reminds me of that Tyrell lady from Game of Thrones. Oh, wow. And I need you, I need you to look at the poster of Cobro. Tell Cersei tell me, it was me. <laughs> yes. Oh, and man. Tell me it was not the snake Diana Rigg herself. Wow. Lady Olena Tyrell. The queen of cobras. Because I will never be able to unsee that now, and now I just want to podcast. All right, well, we got to study the Cobra poster for the Feedback Show, which is the next podcast that's going to be coming up here on the Only Murders podcast feed. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed so you never miss an episode of our Only Murders coverage. Postshowrecaps.com slash onlymurders is the RSS link when you search by URL in your podcast player of choice, or you can just search Recaps Only Murders in the building. You'll find us that way ratings and reviews so appreciated so helpful at the start of a new season uh if you can take some time out of your day uh to to do such thing if your review is something to the vicinity of like to the tune of this podcast is a stinker rooney don't leave it just like move yeah on. you can no. go you can find another one there's another one i'm sure that's great look uh, you can afford to take your time writing your review you can't afford to waste your time yeah no vitriolic right. writing please uh keep the vitriolic writing uh off uh, off our review page uh if you want to support the podcast even further if you want to be able to participate live in the upcoming only murders patron exclusive feedback special that we will be recording on august 10th at 7 p.m eastern time then sign up at patreon.com slash poster recaps at any level. You will be able to join us for the video version of this podcast that we will be recording. Come live. on, do it. It's going to be fun. Step into the narthex. Come yes. into our nave. Join us. Meet Ralphie. Meet Brandy. Uh, you could be the next Ralphie with some feedback here on the podcast. We would love to hear from all of you. So consider it patreon.com slash post show recaps. Troy, what else you got? What else I got? I got an entire season of Only Murders in the Building ahead of What me. else do you need? What else do I need? I yeah. need to watch episode three is what I really need I to know. do. Yeah. I also need to pull up my diagram of a cathedral because clearly I do not know all the parts myself. All right. Well, we will figure all of these problems out, Troy, when next we meet on the Only Murders podcast for a feedback special, which is standing the only thing that's standing in the way between you, me, and episode three of season three. That podcast will drop next week between now and then it's the feedback special i'm thrilled that we're back troy i'm very happy to be back hanging with the with the folks at the arconia very very fun start to season three absolutely no peacocking here 
We got only murders in the building, post-show recaps in the house. I am a professional now, too. You are a professional. You've been a professional, uh, and we will keep this thing professionally running for as long as humanly possible. Only Murders in the Building podcasting continues to answer the question of who farted and who killed Paul Rudd. Until next time, everybody, take care. Goodbye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.